Wide Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. Welcome back, everybody. It is a cold, cold edition of the Midweek Update here on the Owl Chat Podcast. We have hit sub-15 temperatures in the last few days here in Kennesaw and the Atlanta area. Nonetheless, we are braving it out for you guys in the comforts of our own homes. I am here joined, as always, by my co-host and partner, John Finer, producer Nick, and social media guy, Tim. John, how are we doing today? Man, I'm doing good. Uh, basketball is 6-0, and men's and women's combined, so you can't uh, can't beat that. I'm excited to get started. Absolutely nothing to complain about. Um, we won't waste any time. We'll jump right into it um, with just some of the news and notes around KSU athletics. We'll start with soccer. Um, still monitoring the coaching search. We've heard nothing. There's been no official announcement, no rumors, no anything. Um, but we will keep you guys updated on that when anything comes up. Do you think the assistant could be the one getting promoted and that could be what's taking so long? Uh, with a sport like soccer, um, I wouldn't be surprised. But we'll still get an official announcement when that happens. Um, but we'll see, uh, you know, maybe he's deserving. Um, you know, Walton was there a long time. That means his staff was probably there a long time. I couldn't name everybody on that staff. Um, I know Cahill is the acting head coach, so, uh, maybe he gets the nod. He'll probably get interviewed, but we'll see. Um, moving on tennis, um, the ace on preseason coaches polls, uh, were released. The men's team was picked to finish second while the women's team was picked to finish sixth. Um, so good news out of the tennis world. And then moving over to track and field, their spring semester season started um, successfully at the Clemson Invitational, um, and they put up two new school records. Um, Simon Seed took home the pole vault title at the event, um, clearing 5.22 meters for the first school record. And then Malik Hussey uh, set his school record, finishing in 10th place um, in the 300 meter with a time of 34.08. Next up is the Sanford Invitational on January 19th, which will happen the day after um, this recording goes up. John, we got a 3-0 women's basketball team. Tell us about it. Yeah, Kai, I have some women's basketball news for you guys. But before I get started on that, um, I just want to tell you there's something that really pisses me off. Um, every single Kennesaw State basketball game, we have what's called the Scrappy Shuffle. And I want to tell you guys, I've been putting minutes and minutes into writing this why I hate the scrappy shuffle. So here it is. Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings, and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer membership and daily fee play. Their championship course is challenging for all levels of golfers and is frequently used for practice by some golf teams from a local university. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw. Be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club, an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. And that's why I freaking hate the scrappy shuffle. But I digress. Uh, so, uh, Kennesaw State women's basketball news. Uh, they are 3-0 in conference play, winning all three at home. Uh, beating North Florida quite easily, 52-43, but had a tougher time a couple of days later against uh, Jacksonville, sneaking out with a 59-57 win, thanks to some big offensive rebounding in the final, uh, about the final minute and 10 seconds. I remember we got about three or four offensive rebounds on the same possession eventually. Uh, eventually it worked for us. Uh, I think Princess Harden was fouled out at the time, so the rest of the team had to pick up the slack there. Uh, coming up this week is Stetson on Thursday and Florida Gulf Coast on Saturday. Both will be our first conference road games. Uh, Stetson has beaten North Florida and Jacksonville on the road. So they are by far toughest conference game yet. And this will be in Deland. And then it does not get any easier. In fact, it gets like 10 times harder playing Florida Gulf Coast on Saturday. If you guys aren't familiar Florida Gulf Coast is basically every single year for probably the past decade plus is unfairly better than every other team in the A-Sun. They've had a couple players drafted into the WNBA. You know, it would take a tremendous near-perfect effort to beat Florida Gulf Coast on the road. Um, so hopefully all of their fans are watching Wheel of Fortune at the Sizzler or something like that because, uh, you know, we if they have a home crowd advantage, they'll definitely take us. 
Uh, some more news, Terrell Burden and Princess Harden, both named A-Sun Players of the Week this week. So congratulations to them. On the men's basketball side, uh, three 2025 uh, prospects, all with Kennesaw State offers already, were in attendance for the Florida Gulf Coast game uh, last week. Uh, Deke Cooper, a 6'6 guard, and Zach Foster, a 6'3 guard, both from Woodward Academy, and K.J. Garris, a 6'5 guard from Mount Vernon Presbyterian. So those are some names to uh, keep an eye on. Um, and, you know, getting into the top three teams rankings each week, uh, the Owl Chat podcast, the core four here, as I guess I'll call us, uh, Kai, Nick, Tim, and myself, we will be choosing our top three in the ASUN and posting it on the uh, Owl Chat podcast Twitter page and a little friendly graphic each week. So everybody, Tim, Kai, and myself, we chose Kennesaw State at number one. Uh, we all had different variations somewhere with we had all had Eastern Kentucky in the top three somewhere. But I would like to uh, talk about our friend Nick Masseroni, our what we thought was our friend. Um, Still your a, friend. Still your friend. And I just want to let you guys know he's a Jets fan. So, you know, expect don't expect much from him. So I'm going to put that out there for you guys. I'll let him explain his rankings, which I believe he put KSU at number three. Was it EKU at one and Lipscomb at two? That is correct. Okay, Nick, the floor is yours. We'll be your jury and your executioner. Go. <laughs> so it's funny you brought up the uh, the Jets fan thing already, John, because my girlfriend actually made me craft a opener to my, before I give my explanation. So I, I will read it aloud to everyone. Um, I am a New York Jets fan. This fandom has made me susceptible to finding ways to protect myself from being hurt, which may or may not have shown in this week's rankings. For those that were offended by these rankings, my apologies. Uh, for those that weren't, why? I really hope you're a non-KSU fan who happens to be listening, because if you're not, there's other conversations that need to be happening. But for those who are curious and open to my strongly divergent opinion, here we go. Um, I, I, this is how I see it, guys. In my opinion, I have teams ahead of KSU, and it's Lipscomb and it's EKU. Let's go up the list starting at KSU number three. Looking at our conference games so far, we've played three of them. Two of them have been close games against teams that are two and five across the board in conference play. We played an okay out-of-conference schedule. Uh, a lot of ups and downs. It's all part of growing. I mean, Petway's a new coach. We we allow for that kind of take place. There's a lot of uh, the same faces back and everything, which helps. But we all need to remember that our team is still exceeding expectations. We weren't really supposed to be turning it around this quickly. And the progress that we've shown under a completely new play style is very, very uh, optimistic. Uh, elephant in the room, I think the Owls have the most upside in the entire ASUN. Could it be biased? Sure. But our coaching talent and, and playing talent, in my eyes, is superior across the board. But we have a lot of room to grow, and uh, there's still things that need to get cleaned up along the way. I have Lipscomb at two, and to be truthful, the two slot was a coin flip between KSU and Lipscomb until I started looking a little deeper. So there were some surface things like Lipscomb is two and one in conference play. Um, their only losses to four and O EKU and they played the two wins against teams with a combined one and six record. Um, however, they had a very good out of conference schedule with road wins against UNC Asheville by 11 and Florida state by three, someone we lost to in double digits. They also had close road losses to Arkansas and Belmont two solid programs that are definitely at a slightly higher or higher level. Um, my KSU fan perspective, I'm scared of them because they're well-rounded and they're winning games in spite of the fact that they're missing their best player in Ignacevich. They returned three starters from last year's 20-win team. That's not including Ignacevich, which kudos to Pruitt and Boyd for stepping up and kind of filling in the holes there. Um, but keeping an, an, an eye on everything, they're just a well-coached team. They got 10 players above double-digit minutes, and tough teams are tough to beat, and we have them on the road this year. So you never know what's going to happen there. Um, as for EKU, I have them as my number one, 4-0 in conference uh, against teams combined 6-6. Six and six. 
Uh, that included the win against Lipscomb, who, again, in my opinion, had the best ace on out of conference schedule. Um, they're showing signs of the team that we thought they were going to be this year, uh, especially the team that John thought they were, even when they were not doing super well and out of conference. And I'm scared of them because they are a great first half team and we are not. And they have not trailed a conference opponent at halftime. They're averaging 42 points in the first half of conference games, and they have a, a very good three-point percentage. Do we defend the threes well? Yeah, sure. Can we beat both of these teams? Absolutely. I mean, Lipscomb only has a few primary shooters here and there. I mean, Boyd and Pruitt mostly. For I mean, Boyd, I think, is averaging like 16 a game. So I could see then one of them getting shut down by the defense. I mean, it happened in the Stetson game. EKU can be susceptible to a late game comeback maybe. And we are a better second half team. Um, they don't shoot free throws any better than we do. Um, but the way I see it right now, those two teams are ahead of KSU because on today's date, I am scared to play both of them. So there you go. Well, I have a couple things to say on this. Uh, first off, um, you know, your rankings are not nearly as embarrassing as that you're a Jets fan. Um, so I'll put that out there first off. Um, you know, I see all this gray in my beard right now. I did not have that the last time the Jets were in the playoffs, but uh, I digress. Um, this isn't a shit on the Jets podcast, even though I wish it was because we could go 60 strong every week. I promise you that. Appreciate um, you, John. Hashtag butt fumble. Um, so, um, you know, I just want to put out there that Agnasevich um, is out for the year, you know, so they're doing it despite him, but he's not coming back. So mm. you can't, you know, act like, oh, he's going to come back at some point. They are what they are right now. Um, as far as EKU being number one, I mean, I'm I'm not going to shit on you too hard for that because I said in the offseason, I just retweeted a tweet a couple weeks ago. I said, you know, back before like Petway was hired, I was like, EKU is going to be the favorite coming into the season but we can be right up there. So I said that, and, you know, even though they had the rough non-conference, I'll stand by that. So I'm okay with that. Um, my under, you know, my reason for putting KSU at number one, um, besides being a homer is because we're the defending champions and we haven't lost yet. Um, we didn't win every game last year by big margins. We, you know, lost a couple to Florida Gulf coast by like two stats into one, whether it's home or road, I don't care. Jacksonville state. We got lucky. Uh, one, one by like two, and then the other by one in the back-to-back. -back. Uh, so, you know, we weren't blowing every single team out last season. Um, and, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So I – and you have the same top three as me, Nick. So, again, you know, um, I'm not going to hate on you too bad. But, uh, you know, I would like to go over to Kai and talk about – I know he has a take on your rankings, Nick, and he has North Florida as his number three. I would love yeah, this, Kai. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nick and I talked about this a little bit off the air, but uh, I understand EKU. They're 4-0, and um, and they've got one of the two most impressive wins so far in conference play this season, those two being um, KSU blowing out Stetson um, and ESG, uh, EKU beating uh, Lipscomb. Um, so that one makes sense. I think uh, I fall victim a little bit to KSU bias and just the fact that KSU's had the most exciting start to conference season. Um, I mean, you make, you know, national or you get national attention with the Florida Gulf Coast game, you know, and you pull that one at the end and then you blow out Stetson at home. And at the time, you know, we were thinking Stetson could be a top two or three team in the conference and they still could, you know, it's early. Um, but I think that's probably why we lean Kennesaw and it's maybe wishful thinking, but I understand EKU. They did have kind of a rough uh, go in non-conference. Um, so that is a reason to hold them back a little bit, but I understand that pick. Um, Lipscomb had a great run in non-conference, but something about Ignacevich not being there, um, and them kind of getting handled by EKU just scares me off a little bit. Um, and I don't think, and John, I want to hear what you have to say about this. I don't think having UNF up there is that ridiculous when you look at the rest of the conference. I mean, look who's around him, right? So you've got a sliding Stetson team, um, since the Kennesaw state game, you've got an Ignacevich less. Lipscomb team. And then below them, the only other team with two wins in conference is Central Arkansas right now. Um, and, you know, I don't believe that their ability to beat Bellarmine at home um, puts them in that conversation at all. Um, with, you know, the way they're shooting the ball so far this year, I don't think it's ridiculous to have UNF up there. Um, and I think they could 100% go out and beat Lipscomb on any given night. Um, but that's yet to be seen. I think they probably have the most impressive loss um, so far in conference play so far. Um, it was like a 74 75. 
um, road loss at Stetson. So um, I'm going to stick with that pick. Um, we previewed him on the last podcast a little bit, but I'm going to tell you right now, don't be surprised if they go out and beat us. Don't be surprised if they go out or they um, come into the game favorite against us. It's on the road. They shoot the ball really, really well. Um, so I'm sticking with my picks. Nick's, Nick, I don't think you're ridiculous in your picks, but um, I do disagree on uh, the credit you give Lipscomb just a little bit. And yeah, go ahead, Nick. No, I, I mean, hey, I totally understand. Fair is fair. And uh, for the same reasons, I don't like UNF uh, as an A-Sun competitor just because of the three-point comparison. I think that we can get better guys on the perimeter. Like, we're going to have those differences of opinion. But, um, uh, you know, so I, it makes rankings a lot more fun. I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And clearly we're not as uh, frustrated with you guys, uh, with you as the uh, the listeners are, or some of the listeners are, um, whether that be serious or not. But, you know, um, people want to Just see- a reminder, I, I bleed black and gold. People who know me, like, I, I'm never not rooting for the Owls. I'm just trying to keep in my head my, my realistic take of I'm not a KSU fan. How am I looking at this uh, from the outside? I mean, there's no such thing as bad publicity. And there's also <laughs> no such thing as bleeding black and gold. And if you do bleed black and gold, go to a doctor immediately. Um, as far as North Florida goes, um, they're just, they shoot like a hundred more threes than every other team in, in college basketball right now. So they're going to be up and down. I imagine, you know, we could go into North Florida and beat them by 20 because they can't hit a damn thing. Or we can go into North Florida and maybe they'll hit everything, which I don't think they will, but you know, that's, I think that's one of those teams that's gonna, you know, they don't really have a true big man. I mean, they're playing six, seven Dorian James, who's like, what, a 220, uh, 220 pound guy, I think at center. So, I mean, I just don't anticipate it holding up and I think it'll even out and they'll finish probably somewhere, maybe a game or two above 500. If that. Jamon's box score finishes with 30 points and 15 rebounds call that now. <laughs> yeah i'd like to i'd like to see if we can go inside on them because i remember driscoll i mentioned this in the basketball post game show the other day plays a lot of zone so it'll be interesting to see you know how they do things I'll be interested to see i haven't really seen unf this year but i know they shoot it a lot can they get the ball to the basket um can they do it off the dribble or are they just chucking threes so you know maybe maybe i'll agree with kai in a you know on the next show or maybe it'll be awful but somebody i do not agree with is Mr. Tim Desmond, our social media guy. Uh, if you guys have not been listening to us, um, you know, it's been an inside joke sort of. Tim picked Jacksonville, you know, in a conversation in our DMs kind of before conference play started. And we were all getting on him. And he's like, no, I think they can do it, guys. And now they're like 0-3 and, and one of the worst teams so far in the league. But Tim is staying strong. Tim is sticking with his convictions. And I admire him for that. Uh, he's going to put Jacksonville in his rankings each week, whether they're 0 and 10 or 10 and 10 and 0. He's going with it. So, you guys, if you're going to shit on him, you know, just keep that in mind. It's a little late for 10 and 0, though. Yeah, I was going to, I was deciding whether to say 10 and 3 or 10 and 0, but you know what? 10 and 0 sounds much better. It's okay. They, they could still run the table. Uh, I aspire to have that loyalty to anything. Um, but I will say it's nice to uh, be able to talk about a game that hasn't happened yet when the recording goes up because, you know, this game will happen Thursday night. But um, they don't have uh, Placer anymore. Um, was it Placer or Placer? I believe it was Placer, right? Everybody said it different. Potato. Jose potato. Placer is how I believe, I I believe Amir said Placer and he followed Amir to South Florida. So I'm going to go with that. Um, but, you know, they gave us hell twice last year. They beat us at their place at the buzzer and then. Um, I think put up like 86 in the convocation center last year. So, oh yeah, he turned, that's the game he turned into Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Well, he's not there anymore, um, but they, they've got a good roster. They've got, I think three guys shooting over 40% from three. Um, like you said, um, that means they're going to be up and down, but so far, um, especially in conference play, they've been up shooting the ball, but maybe the law of averages is on our side. And I hope it is. Um, I'm tempted to pick a loss, honestly, but I'm not going to go ahead and do that. I'm not going to predict the game either way. We'll see how it goes. Well, well when we're down, we have, you know, Demond Robinson to go to or Terrell Burden to get inside and create a bucket. When North Florida's down, I again, I haven't seen them enough to know what they're going to go to. And, you know, I know Dorian James can create a little bit inside. You know, I think Chaz Lanier can do a little bit. But, you know, we'll see, you know, what it looks like when they stall out. Yeah, I just don't think it's that ridiculous. You know, we have a slow start to a half or something like we've done this year. 
um, and they're having a hot shooting night and we get ourselves in a hole early and just, yeah, that's a, that's a realistic scenario. You're absolutely right. They hit three threes or something like that. And it's like nine, nothing to start the game or something like that. So we need to come out on our shit. Yeah. And I'm guess I I'm really saying this because I don't want people to panic. If we drop this game, it won't be the end of the world. It is a game we could totally lose. Um, I think the line might swing barely in UNF's favor. Um, but either way, you know, hopefully we come back home with a yeah. four and one record. You know, if we lose this one, um, that really puts a sense of urgency into beating Jacksonville. Um, and like we said earlier, they're towards the bottom of the conference. So that's a road game that we should pick up and win. So I got a question for both of you, Kai and John. So you don't think that this game might not be the game where we see a faster start because the last game, that was when they put up uh, 29 in the first quarter and it would just look sluggish all over the place. I, you don't think they might come out a little faster in this one? Uh, well, I, I hope so, man. I, I don't know. I'm not making any predictions on this one. I'm, 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 I'm a little bit nervous because it's our first, you know, road game in the conference. I want to see how the guys react. You know, the last time we won a bunch, like five in a row, we got our asses, you know, handed to us by Asheville. So I want to see if we can keep our heads in the game. 100%. Um, and, you know, I think they're on um, the same amount of rest that we are, unless they played on Monday. Let me double check that. No, they, played Chicago. Played no, they didn't play Chicago State. That they was played Chicago State, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, they're on the same amount of rest that we are, and they play at home. Obviously, you never plan to come out starting slow, but that's something that's happened to us. I mean, you would hope it would be a point of emphasis, but um, there's a chance we don't. Um, hoping we don't speak it into existence. But like I said, people need to be prepared that we could lose this one. Um, and if we do, it's not the end of the world. It's Petway's first conference game on the road. People need to remember that. Um, and I'm telling you guys right now, we're not going to go 18-0 in conference. It's not going to happen. We're going to drop a few along the way um, and probably drop one or two that we shouldn't, especially with, you know, a young coaching staff. So, or oh, not yeah. a young coaching staff, a young head coach, I should say. Oh, yeah. Even 15-3 and three is pretty lofty. You know, I'll take, you know, shoot, I'll take, you know, 12, 13 wins, get in the, you know, get in the tourney and go from there and peak at the right time. So, mm. You know, we, I mean, we're not trying to copy last year or anything like that. If it happens, great. But, you know, it's not, you know, a worst case scenario because, hell, if we get 10 wins and we get into the tournament and we make the, get into the ASIN tournament, we make the NCAA tournament and we actually win a game, you know, I'm sure you all take that over 15 and three. Nobody remembers that we went 15 and three in conference. They remember that we lost to Xavier. Right. Absolutely. Uh, on the flip side, if we do win this game, I think people should start getting excited because I look at the last three games in this month. We've got two of the worst teams in the conference. I know Central Arkansas is two and one right now, but I'm telling you, they're not going to finish in the top six. Maybe they have a good year and finish seventh or eighth and, you know, make the conference tournament. But we get on the road at Jacksonville and at Central Arkansas, two places that are not, you know, tough to play. Um, and then a reeling North Alabama team at home. Um, so if we win this one um, and we keep that momentum going, um, you know, we could be looking and I don't want to jinx anything, but we could be looking at a six and one, seven and zero start um, heading into February. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm all about it. And we'll have some more uh, basketball talk towards the end of the show on the topic Tuesday where listeners uh, give us their feedback and we read it on the air. So uh, we'll be back uh, with some questions there on the uh, basketball realm. Um, moving over to football, unless you guys don't have anything else. Um, we have some roster moves that have kind of gone, excuse me, under the uh, radar. Uh, so a couple walk-ons, defensive back Jordan Gaines and long snapper Jacob Osborne have been removed from the roster. And some players have recently been added to the roster, but not yet listed on the online roster. Uh, the added players are Ian Peterson of Camden County High School, class of 2023, Connor Beaton of Campbell High School, 2023. Uh, transfer, uh, this is a more recent one, Transfer Nick Charles from University of Tennessee Chattanooga and Harrison High School. Uh, I'm not sure if he was a scholarship player at Chattanooga. I'm not sure if he's on scholarship now, but, uh, you know, he returns home with uh, three years to play. And finally, Orion Bonner, or Orion Bonner, a wide receiver transfer from Glenville State and Colquitt uh, County High School from Moultrie, Georgia. Um, he had some other offers, actually. He had some production at uh, Glenville State. He had offers from University of Charleston, not to be confused with College of Charleston, and Notre Dame College, not to be confused with the Notre Dame that we all know and, well, I would say love, but eh. Uh, so as far as more football news goes, uh, Kennesaw State will be opening the 2025 season at Wake Forest. Wake Forest finished 4-8 and eight this past season. Um 
what do you guys think of that news? I'll start with you, Kai. Uh, I love it. Um, it's a road trip I can make. Um, it's an opponent that if we get our ship right in the next uh, two years or so, which we'll talk about in a second, um, it's an opponent towards the bottom of the ACC that we could maybe go in and upset. Um, they are a well, they've been a well-run program over the last seven to 10 years or so under Dave Clawson. Um, I'm just excited to see some of these brands on the schedule. You know, uh, I'm glad it's not an Alabama or an LSU where we go get spanked, but you know, it's a school people will know. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, I like it. What about you, Nick? Same thoughts. Uh, good to see power five teams on the schedule. The first I'm, I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. It's the first yeah. power five we have scheduled. So it's exciting. Um, oh, Georgia, Georgia tech first since making the jump. Yes. First since making the, oh, gotcha. we don't have because San Jose state's mountain West, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think yeah. you're not power five. So this will be power our first P five as a, as a D one FBS team. Yeah. Well, the power, the power five is kind of an abstract concept at this point. Anyways, the, the mountain West is probably the fifth best conference. I've made this too complicated. I am excited. <laughs> yeah. I, I realized that after I tweeted it out, like, Oh, power five game on the schedule that the power five isn't really a thing anymore, but um, I digress. Yeah, and speaking of San Jose State, it looks like their head coach uh, might be getting hired away. So they might be taking a uh, step backwards as well. So they're not the only ones with some uh, issues in that department, which we'll be touching on real soon here. Um, and just a quick question. I've never been to Wake Forest. Is there really a forest there? And is it woke? I have. And I know Tim has a thought, and he's going to jump in in a second. But it is really, really confusing. I've been on that field a couple of times because it's just open. All the gates are open. You can just walk on it. So there is a city called Wake Forest, North Carolina. Wake Forest University is not located in Wake Forest, North Carolina. And there is also a forest called the Wake Forest in North Carolina. And they are all different places. It is really confusing and doesn't make any sense. But Tim, you had something to say. Yeah, I actually learned that this past weekend when I was up in North Carolina. Um, but my thought on Wake Forest, I just want to know how much they're paying us. You know, is it 50K? Is it 100K to come up there and play? Oh, it's got to be more than that. Uh, yeah, our- usually it's in 300s plus. Yeah, yeah. Well, we get less now as an FBS team, I would yeah. think. Yeah, it, I don't know. Hopefully it's enough to pay um, a new offensive coordinator. <laughs> don't don't hold your breath but um uh, <laughs> speaking of uh speaking of that um offensive coordinator uh chris klonakis uh has left kennesaw state after just one year on the job taking the offensive line coach position with vanderbilt uh this is something that i joked about when we lost nathan burton i don't know if you remember on the podcast or i might have said it off air i was like oh well you know what at least it's not klonakis because that would have been a disaster or something to of that effect um and well here we are and i don't know why he left i can only assume money um you know klonakis was in a place previously in his career where he was coordinating for future nfl top draft picks like uh colin k and i was it lamar jackson um so you know he had uh, some personal issues come up so he had to take some time off rebuild his profile back up i think he jumped after it was it a year from at liberty and then a year at kennesaw state now and um, apparently we were just kind of used as a, uh, you know, a stepping stone. Um, I would like to know what the conversation was, you know, when he, you know, got the job from Coach Bohannon, because, you know, I'm a recruiter as my day job, obviously not football, but I know when you hire somebody that is better than the job, and maybe they just need it, you know, to cover a gap or something like that, or until they find something better, you know, the, whatever it is you know that there's this risk of a flight risk that is inherent with something like this. So I wonder if there was any kind of cover your ass assurance, like Klonakis, you know, saying, okay, guys, you know what? I've done it before. I've made my money at these big schools. I'm set there. I want to build something up from the ground up, something of that. Maybe Klonakis came in. He's like, oh God, the NIL shit, we suck. We don't have a quarterback, whatever it is. And he got out or maybe he just didn't want the responsibility anymore. Or maybe he never planned on being here for more than a year. He just took a job when it was open. I don't know. Uh, but I did do some research on some salaries. Um, you know, Georgia is a uh, open state. So the public universities, everything is listed online if you look hard enough. Um, I can't see Klonakis's salary until, you know, we get a little farther down the line. But in the fiscal year 2022, um, Owl, former Owls offensive coordinator Grant Chesnut 
made 125K. In fiscal year 2023, UGA's offensive line coach, not offense coordinator, offensive line coach made 873,000. In fiscal year 2023, um, Georgia State's offensive line coach made 155,000. Kai, what do you have? I was just going to say, I don't know that UGA's um, payroll and Vandy's payroll is quite comparable. Um, Oh, not at all. I just imagine it's somewhere, you know, somewhere in between probably, you know, 300, maybe 300,000, something like that. Sure. I would, I would also hope that we up the budget for Klonakis because he was a a bigger name with a better resume um, as an OC. Um, I don't think there's any way Bohannon is happy right now, obviously with um, the state of the program and the transition that the offense was in, you were hoping to bring somebody in who was going to commit to the project. And clearly that wasn't the case. Um, the move, uh, it, it's got to be a money move from Klonakis, Um, because as far as, you know, role with the team goes, I would think an OC job at a group of five school or whatever you want to call it now um, is a bigger role than an O-line um, position job at one of the toughest places to be successful in college football. Um, at Vanderbilt. So it's, it's gotta be a money thing. Um, or, you know, there, there's just stuff going on in Kennesaw that we don't see. Um, and that is the much scarier possibility. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's bad. Um, I'll give my thoughts in a second, but John, I know you kind of were on your, uh, your train of thought. So I'll let you keep going. No, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, like you guys said, it's obviously not UGA. I was just putting that out there, you know, for comparison's sake, but yeah, we're, it's probably maybe twice as much as he was probably getting at Kennesaw state, maybe something like that. It could be a responsibility thing where, you know, he doesn't want the pressure or he saw the writing on the wall. Like, Hey, you know, I, I know what I have on my team right now. And again, we don't know what's up. We have no idea. So we're not, you know, saying that's the case, but there's, you know, there's all kinds of possibilities and we could let our imaginations run wild and say different reasons. So it really is whatever you guys, you know, want it to be until we learn more. All I know is this next hire, uh, we need to, uh, we need to hit it. And uh, Kai, uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? And I also have a couple more questions I'm going to post to you afterwards. Um well, obviously, we need to kill this next hire. We got to kill, you know, every hire going forward. Um, this program's getting tougher and tougher to defend um, and be hopeful about. I mean, it's we have no offensive identity. We have no defensive identity. We don't have any clear starters on the offensive side of the ball outside of Benyard. You know, we don't have a quarterback. Um, we pull in all these JUCO guys um, who are now, you know, signed to a school. Um, who doesn't have the OC they thought they were committed to play for. Um, Where do we go next? Um, You know, we're getting kind of deep into the coaching search market and names are getting scooped up left and right. And I feel like we're going to be left behind in the dust. Um, I I don't know what to say. It's, it's bad. Uh, I think it is reasonable to say that out of the 133 teams in FBS college football, we're probably around 132, 133 right now. Oh man, I I sure hope not. Uh, that that's depressing to think of, but I can't really you know rebut that with any facts. Um, you know, I put out a poll this week saying, "Would you like to have Grant Chestnut back?" I don't think there's really any chance of that happening personally. Uh, but it you know I just wanted to see what people thought. Uh, it ended up pretty even, the no's and the yeses. So thought that was interesting. But you know, if we do get a Obviously, we do need a coordinator, and this means we do need a new offensive line coach, which Chesnut was an offensive line coach. We have to make everything match, right? So we can't just hire, you know, a new coach and the best one on the market. Well, what if he's a wide receiver? We don't want to, you know, a wide receiver guy, you know, coaching the offensive line, or we'd have to move somebody around. You know, we'd have to let one of the coaches go. So it might be in a situation where we might have to make some make some unfortunate and tough decisions to get the best guy for the job. Uh, but what I think or what I would do is I would have like just a a co-coordinators uh, situation, you know, take Chandler Burks, you know, Chandler is not going to go anywhere. Or I would hope not uh, give him a promotion. He's still young in his career. He loves the program. Put him together with somebody more experienced and bam, I think you have a nice combination if you bring somebody else in there. Um, what do you guys think? I think Tim had something to say. Yeah, I don't know about that idea. Promoting Chandler Burks, to be honest, we need somebody that's somewhat established or an assistant from like a James Madison or like a Power Five school to come in, to be honest, and let 
us be another stepping stone. We got to get used to that. Uh, whole stepping stone type mentality. Things are going to constantly change in today's college football world, unfortunately. Well, it's like at, at this point, uh, it feels like we have two options. It feels like we could, you know, promote from within or um, get a lesser name and kind of have a placeholder for the next year or so. Cause um, you know, at this point it's kind of late um, to go out and find guys uh, that scares me. And it's like, do we you know, do that for a year and then go out and find somebody big next year or the next um, when things I hate to say it, but inevitably don't work out. Um, or we could get a crusty veteran and pair him up with Chandler Burks, have Burks, you know, learn from, learn from the veteran, put in, you know, his own touch with some of the other coaches. I mean, I, I just don't want to risk losing, you know, a coach again, but I know it's, you know, I'm like a spurned lover here, guys. I mean, come on, somebody tell me you're not going to leave me, you know, some just assure me somebody say something, but no, um, we'll have to see what's out there. I'm good with whatever they decide. We're, we're between a rock and a hard place right now, fellas. It's just yeah. growing pains, unfortunately. You hope that's what it is. Um, you hope it's, um, you know, causation. And, you know, this is something that teams go through when they make the jump and not just really poorly timed um, to be going through this stuff as a program. Yeah. Um, but it's it's hard to find anything to be optimistic about um, with the program as a whole right now, other than, you know, some, some cool names on the schedule. Yeah. So. Speaking of growing pains, you know, I would rather probably watch a growing pains marathon on Disney channel with Kirk Cameron than perhaps the product that we might put out this year. If it, you know, if it does not turn out well. So, um, you know, what's the best part? What's that being nationally televised? Oh yeah. That's, about that. that. Oh, that's next year. That's that's great. And you know what? Another factor we have to think about is, you know, now you guys can transfer 30 times. I mean, I don't know how it works, you know, once a guy signs a letter of intent, but you know, if they say they want out and you're not, we're not anywhere near the semester starting, what's stopping guys from jumping into the portal saying, Oh, you know, I came here for Klonakis. Nothing, nothing. Um, to be honest, I'm kind of surprised Ben Yard is still here. Yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, they're enrolled right now. So, you know, they're, you know, they might stick out the semester and they might reevaluate after the end of the semester, some of the transfers, but, you know, maybe they'll like the new hire. I don't want to say that yet. Some guys are committed to coach Bohannon, you know, coach Bohannon is a big part of keeping the commitments, you know, staying loyal to the black and gold as well. So, you know, they don't just commit to the coordinators, they commit to the head coach, but it would make life a lot easier, you know, if we had a head coach that was a coordinator. Like, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams do that. You know, you fire, if you have a head coach, you know, you at least have one of those spots taken up at all times, you know, like, um, you know, even Arthur Smith, you know, you're having just a figurehead at the offensive coordinator. Cause you know, he's taking care of it one way or for better or for worse. Um, but speaking of co-coordinators, you know, that's what Nathan Burton left to, to when he get, took the job at Troy. So, um, you know, just for example there, and speaking of internal hires, um, we do have some more news. I forgot to uh, put it on our little outline here this week, boys, but it hasn't been announced yet, but it looks like linebackers coach Greg Harris is being promoted to the uh, defensive coordinator position. So, you know, it might be a money-saving hire there as well. Not flashy, but the kids know him. Um, if they like him, I don't think we'll lose anybody there. So I'm not worried as worried on that front. Yeah, honestly, uh, I kind of like it. Um, it might be a placeholder who, uh, who, you know, who knows how long he stays in that position, but um, I'm glad, you know, if that is the case and it seems to be that there was promptness um, and by hiring internally, you know, you promote a guy that players probably like and know well. So um, I don't, I don't hate it, especially with, um, you know, it seeming to be like Bohannon was not expecting Burton and Klonakis to jump ship um, just a few months ago. Yeah, and Danny Verpale, the last time we hired internally, there he was our safeties coach or whatever. That was kind of a disaster. So I'm hoping this works out better. Um, Harris does have, I think, some defensive coordinator experience elsewhere. Um, but you know, again, at this point, guys, we're just going to have to trust Coach Bo and trust the coaching staff and take a leap of faith, uh, right, Tim? Mm, I don't know. I, I'm going to say no. I think we should be questioning at what point do we clear house, get rid of Bo, get rid of everybody, and just start fresh. Yeah, and and that's definitely the uh, the easy way to look at it. Um, you know, Bohannon did build the program up. He's entitled to one more year. 
I think he's going to get one more year. I think he's absolutely on the hot seat. And I think everything is stacked against him. It's like um, trying to, you know, climb your way out of like a 20 to nothing deficit. Like we, you know, like versus Asheville. And, you know, we, some, you know, you might make it free like 5% of the time. It's just, we're in a very tough spot. Coach Bohannon's in a tough spot. I don't envy him. And and if we do let go of Coach Bohannon after this year, what what the hell happens? Like his contract extension that Overton signed him to, I believe, doesn't even start till 2025, right? I think that's correct. Yeah. Um, and, you know, no matter what happens in the next year or two with Bohannon, um, it's not going to be lost just what he did for this program and, you know, his dedication to Kennesaw State. Um, you know, he will always be a KSU legend, no matter how quickly this may go downhill. Um, and it looks like it might be trending that direction. Um, but that being said, I think part of it is also you kind of want to make it all, all the way through this transition before you clean house. Cause that's a, that's a tough thing to be thrown right into. And it's like, okay, if we're going to suck, let's just embrace the suck and let, you know, ride it out with what we got right now and then start yeah. fresh. Um, so I agree with you. I think he's definitely entitled to the last year. Um, but this is not a conversation that we should be scared to have people on Twitter certainly aren't scared to have it. You know, people have been calling for his head for the last year or so. Um, but on this podcast, you know, this is something that we're going to start looking at, um, and start considering more seriously. So yeah, yeah. that's all I got. And again, just want to emphasize, like you said, he's a KSU legend. We'll always be grateful for everything he's done, whether he gets us out of this hole or not. And a lot of this stuff is out of his control, the, the changing landscape of college football. He can't control that, you know, NIL money and we have none. Um, he can't control, you know, just we don't that we don't have, you know, who knows if we have FBS type money to even pay our coordinators. I mean, if we did, we probably wouldn't be losing all these coaches. Not to mention he's a Paul Johnson disciple. Um and, you know, an offensive forum that is uh, almost completely dead um, in the world of college football. So, yeah. So um, even what, more dead than it was, you know, 10 years ago when Paul Johnson was the only one running it at a high level. Um, yeah. But yeah he, uh, I'm not going to say he maybe deserves a statue, but, you know, I hope that one day there's a Bohannon plaque outside of fifth third or wherever we're playing in the next 10, 20 years. Um, I do think that he deserves his respect no matter what happens. Funny comparison. Do you think Bo goes down in history like uh, Coach Ingle did, where they had the success at the lower level, couldn't handle the transition, and kind of goes away, and then we fade into irrelevance for the next however many years before we have an unbelievable turnaround. Is this like history repeating itself just with a different program? When you say it like okay. that, you're scaring the shit out of me. So thanks, Nick. <laughs> I think Sorry, that's a I, fantastic I just, comparison. I just had I just had that thought pop into my head, and I'm like. I know I'm not crazy for thinking this, so let me just spit this out loud so everyone else can be crazy with me. I lived through this, and now I'm suffering from some kind of PTSD that just kicked in. So I appreciate that because I was there for the end of the, uh, you know, the end of the Ingle era. And you make a, you know, you make a good point. You know, um, Ingle, I think did some, you know, did some had some situations with like the grades, and we couldn't handle the transition from like a compliance standpoint. I think where, you know, he didn't know yet to get this certain GPA and that, and we lost scholarships and I don't know all the details, but I think it just got a little wild towards the end. And, you know, again, I'm not blaming coach Ingle or anybody else, you know, this is the same type of situation, perhaps, you know, it just, except as opposed to, you know, grades and compliance, we have money and we can't keep up. Yeah, Nick, I think that's a fantastic uh, comparison. That being said, I don't want to wait another 20 years to see success in football. Uh, I just want to add to it, you know, maybe Bohannon does something like uh, Coach Ingle does and drops back down a level like Coach Ingle did at Dalton State and, you know, find success again and we can all root from, uh, you know, from a distance. But yeah. But yeah, he's before Tim goes, I just want to say Coach Bohannon's still with us. So, you know, if you ever have been in a situation before where, you know, you're, you know, low expectations, less disappointment. We're all expecting, you know, not to have a big season, right? Well, we could all be pleasantly surprised. I mean, if we are all expecting to have a big season like we were perhaps last year, you know, we were pretty disappointed. That's well said. I mean, we all know the one thing that can resolve the 20-year drought, and that's winning. We just need to win. And also upgrade the facilities, but hey. <laughs> Bring in Al Davis back from the dead and just win, baby. I like it. Um, but moving on, uh, we had some feedback from uh, 
our loyal listener, T-Mac. John, you want to go ahead and read this off for us? Yeah, we got some uh, feedback from loyal listener uh, T-Mac last week. Uh, he get, We talked about, you know, would you rather have money for a new football stadium or basketball stadium, something along those lines? He sent us a thoughtful response that I thought was worthy of being read on air. Um, so he says, if we are good in football, we will pack the current or an expanded stadium. There are tons of KSU slash UGA crossovers like me. The first, my first two years were at UGA, my last three at KSU at a time when KSU was bereft of real sports, but are now committed to both. Same thing with tech and KSU crossovers, although there's, that is a much smaller group. Atlanta is a football crazy city. And if we win, they will come. Also for the more casual fans, Kennesaw will benefit from not being in Atlanta. GSU gets killed in attendance, mostly because people are terrified of being in that area for traffic and crime. We can become the primary casual football destination with just a little success. Secondly, there is a little merit in what Nick threw out about the Carrier Dome type facility at some point in the future. I only say that because I heard the exact same idea from a Cobb County commissioner uh, a while back, LOL. Cobb wants a multi-use sports slash entertainment venue at some point in the future. They thought Truist was going to be more available, but if but the Braves are protective of what they allow to happen in the stadium itself. Example, concerts or other field-type events. So don't chastise Nick too badly. Well, T-Mac, I will say this. He's a Jets fan, and it's far too late. That train has taken off out of the station. So uh, we can't back it up. I appreciate you, T-Mac. Thank you. Yeah, just a quick highlight of T-Mac, one of our most loyal listeners and uh, participators on Twitter. Um, we know you're uh, tuned in. Thanks for uh, all your engagement, man. Absolutely. And we have some more T-Mac coming up here uh, shortly. Um, so uh, every we'll do topic Tuesday right now. So every Tuesday, we throw out a couple topics on our at Owl Chat podcast Twitter for listeners to reply to. And we'll read them back on air. And if things are interesting enough, we might comment a little bit on them. Uh, this week, we posed two parts. An A and a B. Uh, first part of the question to everybody was, what is the biggest threat to Kennesaw State men's basketball's quest for back-to-back conference championships? Some people took that more literally, such as, uh, you know, what team is the biggest threat? Some people talked about, you know, what would be the biggest obstacle, such as shooting or defense or whatnot. Um, the second question is, should Kennesaw design new uniforms for all sports going into Conference USA? If so, Nike or Adidas. So I'll read the answers and I'll go to you guys for uh, any comments. Uh, so our social media guy, Tim, of course, replied to his own post with uh, Jacksonville. So yes, Jacksonville is Kansas State's biggest obstacle. Thank you, Tim. And Tim says, yes, Adidas treated us well, but it's time to move on. Our current merch is B tier. Time to level up with Nike or Jordan. Uh, we've had a similar discussion in the past towards the beginning days of the podcast, but uh, what do you guys think, Kai and Nick? Should we uh, move up? Should we change brands? Um, I would be okay with a rebrand. Um, if that's with Adidas, I'm okay with it. If it's with Nike, um, I'm also okay with it. Um, I know there was like a giveaway that the official school Twitter account posts giving away like Nike scarves, and that was a little suspicious. Um, and then the Adidas deal is like, kind of unclear what it is right now. So um, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not, you know, begging us to switch over to Nike um, or Jordan, although I think Jordan would be really cool, especially, you know, for um, a more underground program like us, you know, we probably get some looks that we wouldn't otherwise. Um, But yeah, uh, Adidas has been good to us. I do think there needs to be a little bit of a rebrand. Let's get some names on the back of our jerseys. I'd be okay with changing the font a little bit. Um, and just experimenting with some new things and looking less like uh, an FCS team in football. Um, when it comes to basketball, I actually really like our basketball um, pairings. Um, I think even the uh, the yellow jerseys look pretty good, um, and that's a hard thing to do. Um, so no complaints there. I think a lot of the baseball jerseys look really good. Um, and then across other sports, I have no complaints, but I do think there needs to be some sort of football rebrand. But maybe the school is waiting for us to, um, you know, get moving in the right direction till that happens. You know, you see that in pro sports a lot. Um, teams will wait to rebrand till they're good again. You know, like the Detroit Pistons um, tried for the longest time to hold off on releasing their throwback jerseys. 
Um, and they finally made like an eight seed playoff run and they got their throwback uniforms. So maybe that has something to do with it, but I don't know. Um, like I said, I'm kind of indifferent towards Nike or Adidas, um, but I, we'll see. So I'm kind of the same with Kai, indifferent. Um, and I agree with a lot of his points about all the Olympic sports. I, I like the majority of our uniforms that we have in Olympic sports. Um, softball, baseball, both look really good. Um, I think basketball could use a touch up here or there. Um, like, I don't think you need as many of like the, the boarding, the, like the bordering stripes and stuff like that, but they do look, uh, they do look really good. Football is the, the one place I really want to see just a difference on the actual jerseys. I don't know what it has to be, but there's just, there's something there with the football jerseys that never looks like a hundred percent clean unless I mean, I take that back because back in the day when we wore the all white combinations, those used to look really, really good. Um, but I, I don't know, like the different like sublimation graphics that they have on the jerseys, like the chains and stuff like that. It's just outdated at this point, like either go with like a clean, sleek look and and refine it or or do something that's completely different than everyone else. Don't look like you're an FCS team. Let me know if this makes sense, but it kind of just looks AAU, if you know what I'm saying. Like, it kind of yep. looks like they're trying too hard to, you know, do little things that stand out and look special while at the same time looking kind of cheap. Um, and it's a poor mix. This week on the XFL. Okay. <laughs> More or I, less. Love, I love the XFL. Back in the day, you had uh, names on the jer- nicknames on the jerseys like He Hate Me. I think we should do that. That would get attention to the school. Start doing like a, nicknames on the back of the jersey. Sounds like a Deion Sanders type stunt, man. I don't know if <laughs> Would the NCAA allow it, or can we just sue them until they allow it? Or what's the what's the rule on this now? Uh, they're they're sticklers about having weird things on the back of jerseys. I know Vandy, um, like almost got disqualified from a game for wearing anchor down on the back of their jerseys like ten years ago, um, oh. and they had to go back in the files and show that they like got approval approval from the NCAA like before the season started. So I know they're weird about it. Oh, let's just, you know, let's schedule a game versus EGA where we're going to get stomped. And um, then we can just put whatever on the jerseys because then the NCAA will say, well, you know what? We're going to throw this one out. We're not counting it. I'm like, okay, no problem. I think you should bring that one up with the uh, department, John. I think that would go over well. Well, the department I'm sure listens to this. So I think I just did. So, hey, department, thanks for listening. Um, going back to our next comment, it's from, uh, have you heard of this guy, uh, T-Mac? Um, so the biggest threat to Kennesaw State's quest for a back-to-back championship, he says free throws. I don't think anybody can disagree with that one. And T-Mac says on the designs of the uniforms, don't really care either way, whether it's Adidas or Nike, but maybe limit the football combinations to three or four. Not a fan of so many different looks. It makes us unidentifiable. Agreed. Agreed. We're not Oregon. Yeah, but the recruits want multiple jersey combos, different types of gloves. Like, if you look at UGA, they're creating a new helmet, I want to say, next year. A white mm-hmm. helmet. And it's literally solely based off of recruits. So it is, it is worth mentioning that usually players pick the uniform combos before every game. Um, so that's not entirely like a, a department internal thing. Um but yeah, uh, I think we need less cheap looking jerseys and I guess more serious looking jerseys while still keeping like uh, a good brand and a good flair. Um, but that's not my job. That's some designer's job somewhere. So um, didn't yeah. want to comment on the free throws. He's right. That being said, it's gotten a little bit better over the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks and that should be acknowledged. We're typically hovering around 70% a game. So, and you know, we had the Cottle game where he hits three in a row in yeah. the last 30 seconds. So. Um, things have improved, but they can always get better. Or they could always get worse. <laughs> but this is true. Christopher S. Uh, says about the biggest threat to the men's basketball back-to-back championship, uh, Lipscomb or EKU team-wise. Um, so uh, thank you, by the way, for uh, validating my rankings, Christopher. Uh, and he also says lack of production and key player injuries as others. So uh, yeah, we have to stay healthy. That's a given. Um, and we have to produce. Uh, not much more to be said there. You're absolutely right. 
Uh, as far as part two of the question, uniforms, yes, there needs to be new designs amongst all the sports jerseys. However, stick with Adidas. They have been good to us when we weren't good. Yeah, fair take. All right. Uh, going on to uh, Chandler. Chandler W. says uh, to the basketball question, slow starts, free throws, and EKU. That's a pretty good summation. What do you guys think? Yeah, seems like everybody's kind of on the same page here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And EKU's really heated up and coming to their own. So yep. uh, I think they're a bigger concern to all of us than they were a month ago when they were sitting at four and nine. So, yep. Chandler says the current jerseys are nice, but I wouldn't mind seeing how Nike or Jordan jerseys would look. Well, I'll tell you that number 94 Jordan Miles jersey looks pretty nice, Chandler. Um, so there's your there's your Jordan jersey. Uh, Chaz D says uh, field goal percentage, turnovers, and free throw percentage. Um, yeah, not much more to be said than that. Strongly agree. Um, part two about the jerseys. We need to stay locked in. From the last couple games alone, most of our turnovers have been avoidable. Actually, this is uh, sorry. I, this is continuation of part A. We need to stay locked in. From the last couple games alone, most of our turnovers have been avoidable. Momentum is also extremely important, as we have seen. Can't have momentum and turnovers in the same sentence. And Chandler and Chaz says for part B, polka dot uniforms, and gives a nod to our friend Carrick Martin. So I would be down with some old school scrappy uh, thumbs up uh, polka dot unis. Let's get the trademark back, boys. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Carrick. I love the idea. And shout out to Chaz as well. Um, Joshua S says scoring droughts are our biggest obstacle. And yeah, that's probably going to come with the type of team we are. You know, we, we shoot a lot of threes considering our three point percentage isn't great. So, you know, I would like for us to be a bit more efficient. Um, part B says I would not change anything about our uniforms. All right. Thank you, Joshua. Uh, Robert C says I'm going to go with shooting free throw improvement and keeping field goals around 45 to 50%. And he says, new uniforms, yes, Adidas. Uh, Darth Petty says, um, the biggest uh, threat to KSU winning back-to-backs is KSU. So I guess he's saying we can only beat ourselves. Uh, and part B, eh, I'm not moved either way when it comes to the uniforms. Um, we have two more comments here. We have Hootie Who, a.k.a. Briscoe says, Living and dying by the three. Yes, I totally agree with that. Uh, and part B uh, says, yes, I'd go with Nike and utilize the actual owl logo on helmets and jerseys more. Bring back the wing helmets while we're at it. Uh, Shadow Crusader says uh, the biggest threats are either Queens or Jacksonville. So somebody's trolling us. Um, I think, or somebody has family and relatives or is an, alum of those schools or and, or yeah. somebody's got a burner somebody a burner i promise you that yeah it's not, are you are you sure tim you swear no, to god i just got riders man shout out shout out that guy he's a writer oh yeah the and, movement uh, has started and shadow crusader says i think the uniforms are fine the way they are i feel yeah. awfully suspicious coming from a, a guy named shadow crusader but you know yeah, exactly. I, I want to see this guy back next week with some more comments so we can evaluate those. Uh, but any <laughs> any uh, further uh, thoughts on any of those comments, guys? No. Wing um, helmets. Oh, sorry, Kai. I was going to say, I, I, I saw the, the comment about the wing helmets. Um, absolutely. That should be our alternate because if we can't use the retro scrappy logo, I think those would be a good alternate to having the KS on the side of the helmets would be the wings. Yeah, no, that was before my time. I want to know why we went away from that because yeah, know, I've seen the I've seen the pictures and the replays. Those look great. So I can I was at that was during my time at Kennesaw. Some random dude on Twitter posted those uniforms as concepts, and it blew up. Like everybody in the school got super excited about it. Like, oh, we have to do this, and shout out the department. They did it, and it was sick. And that's when we started the gray jerseys as well. So they were great helmets. They yep. were great helmets. Yeah. That's the most upstart football team thing I've ever heard, but that's awesome. Yeah, I don't know how you guys remember that stuff. Like I can't, I can't even remember one Jersey that we wore last year, let alone like different color combinations and time periods and years. 
come on, John, your your decade plus worth of Twitter history isn't all downloaded in, in your brain. I, I, I it would be. It's the senility, guys. It's the senility. I'm I'm not fit to be a podcaster anymore, but I, I guess I will run for president sometime. So um, I'll be useful there. Um, but yeah, that's all we have, uh, unless you guys have anything. Yeah, no, I just want to say uh, thank you for everybody who uh, participated again on Topic Tuesday. Um, we love hearing from you guys. Um, keep at it. Uh, good stuff today, guys. Yeah, and we'll be back with some more questions next week. Our social media guy, Tim, uh, you can actually, if you guys have any ideas for topics for Topic Tuesday, before we pose the question or questions, uh, tweet at us at Owl Chat Podcast or give us a DM. You can always mess- also message me or Kai at KSU Owl or at Kai Millette for some ideas of anything you want us to see asked to Owl Nation or just discussed in general. Uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of the week, hoping for a couple more Owl victories and uh, go Owls. Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millette and at KSU Owl Howl. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at BigOwlBlog.com and John's KSU message boards at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!